Good morning, everyone. It is good to be with you here once again. God bless you, Rafael. Uh, it is good to be with you here as we want to turn our attention now to the Word of God. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our message series on thinking biblically. And today, we are thinking biblically about the local church. More specifically, we are thinking biblically about the role of the local church, and I will attempt to answer four specific questions about the role of the local church. And they are, what is the role of the local church in the world? What is the role of the local church in the community? What is the role of the local church to you as a believer in Christ? And what is the role of the local church to the unbeliever? And so, before we begin, let us all go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, God, for once again we stand here in your presence to worship you, to magnify your name. As we have, as we have raised our voices in songs of worship and praise unto you, we now once again raise our hearts to you, Father, with an attitude of expectation that your Holy Spirit would minister to us through the power of your everlasting word. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we speak about the role of the local church itself, it is important for us to remember what church is in first place. Of course, the study of the church is called ecclesiology. And it took me more than one Sunday morning for me to complete that course in, in seminary. So, but today I hope to give you the highlights of the study of the church and specifically about the role that the local church plays to the world, to the community, to you as a believer, and to the unbeliever. Now, the word church appears in the Bible 114 times. But do you know who was the first to speak the word church? It was our Lord in Matthew chapter 16. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Let it be known that the church is the Lord's. It, the church doesn't belong to any man. The church does not belong to a human institution. The church is the Lord. The church is the bride of Christ. He is the Lord. He is the head. We are part of the church that Christ is building. Now, it is important for us to understand what is the meaning, the spiritual meaning of the word church. The spiritual meaning of the word church is that we are called out out of the world and into God. Called out of the world and into God. As we read in 1 Peter, in chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. As we have just sang, as, as we have just sung, that we have been called out of darkness and into his glorious day and into his marvelous light. Notice that. He is the one who called us to become part of the church. We proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us. Each and every one of us who have become part of the church, we have been called by the Lord Jesus himself. 
Without his effectual calling in our lives, we would not have responded to the message of the gospel that enable us to be part of the church. It is important we recognize this, as the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 14, that the natural man does not accept the things of God, for they are foolishness to him. And why is that? Because of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, where the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of all unbelievers so that the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ would not shine upon them. But thank God that in his mercy, in his grace toward each and every one of us who have been chosen, who have been called by him, the Lord opened our eyes so that we could understand and receive the message of the gospel and thus become part of the church. That is Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 18. That is the spiritual meaning of the word church, to be called out of the world and into God's kingdom and into him. But what is the church? One of the ways that the Bible defines what the church is, is in Ephesians in chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, where it says that he, God, put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. Christ is the head and we are members of his body. We have become united with Christ in the moment when we have received his spirit within us. The church is made up of all believers in Jesus Christ since the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 4 till the moment of the rapture of the church in John chapter 14 verse 3. The church age began when the first believers were first baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. And from that day on, all believers are baptized in the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. And the church age will last up until the moment of the rapture. The rapture of the church will not take place until the very last person chosen and called by Jesus to receive the gospel will be saved. When that very last person is saved, then the rapture will take place. The church age happens from the beginning, from the moment, from that day of Pentecost to the moment of the rapture of the church. That is the universal church. That is the church. Everyone everywhere who has received the spirit of Christ within is part of the church with capital C. Now the universal church is represented on earth through the local churches. In the same way that Jesus is God, and Jesus is the visible manifestation of God, the local church is the church, and the local church is the visible manifestation of the church. You understand that? The universal church is represented by our local churches. But it is also important for us to realize that what establishes a local church is not a building. What establishes a local church is the assembly of believers. We are the church. Churches in the early years of Christianity, they did not even meet within buildings, but they met within houses, and at times even underground because of persecution. The very first church building that was created for worship, for church services, did not come about until hundreds of years after the Lord had already created the church. That church building is at Dura Europos by the Euphrates River in Syria. Take a look. 
These are the remains of the very first church building dedicated to church services. It was a house that came into possession of believers in around the year 240. The house was remodeled to have two large rooms. And one room was taken for the assembly of believers. And the room next door, as you see, a smaller room, was, con was considered to be the, rooms for, the room for baptisms, where baptisms would take place. This did, not, this did not occur until some 200 years after the Lord had already established the church on earth. And therefore, as you can see, obviously, this place is not what established the church, since the church had already been established much before, much time before that. What establishes a church is the assembly of believers, wherever the meeting place is. When you think local church, Think faces, not places. Think faces, not places. Our first question, as we said, is what is the role of the local church in the world? What role does the local church play in the world? The Lord Jesus, he gives us the answer to this first question in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 28, where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commended you. The role of the local church in the world is to support the preaching of the gospel, is to support the proclamation of the good news of salvation, particularly through missionary work. The Bible tells us in Romans in chapter 10, and how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. Obviously, not every church member will go out into missionary travels. But it is the Lord's expectation that each local church be supportive of missionary work. And even if possible, send missionaries to do the work. As the Lord said, we have been called as a local church in the world with a global mission with a global reach to proclaim the message of the gospel to the end of the earth. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power, the Lord said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest part of the earth. The role of the local church to the world is to fulfill the calling of Christ for the proclamation of the gospel through missionary work. But each and every one of us are considered also missionaries in the eyes of the Lord because of our calling to proclaim the name of the Lord within our own sphere of influence. As we see here, we are called to be witnesses of the gospel in our own Jerusalem, so to speak to your family, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. We are called to participate in this calling, in the fulfillment of the calling that the, that the Lord has placed upon each and every one of us as part of the church to proclaim the message of the gospel. And therefore, the answer to our question is, what is the role of the local church in the, in the world? First of all, it is through domestic missions in the sense that each and every one of us individually are called to evangelize to our, to our own Jerusalem, 
But obviously, the local church, in its role for the world, we as a local church, we are called to support the preaching of the gospel to the end of the earth. And so not only domestic mission, but foreign missions become also part of the role of the local church to the world. Now, I want you to notice this. If this is the role of the local church in a global scale, then what is the answer to this question? What is the role of the local church in the community? Obviously, since our work of missions began in our own Jerusalems, there is a certain overlap. And we must say that the role of the local church in the community also begins with domestic missions because each and every one of us are called to represent Christ where we are. You might be the closest to Jesus that someone in the world may ever come to. You are an ambassador of, of Christ, as the Lord says, in, as the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 in verse 20. The Lord has called each and every one of us to represent him no matter where we are. However, the role of the local church in the community also has another facet. Unfortunately, many have misinterpreted the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke in chapter 10, and they say that the role of the local church in the community is affiliated, is associated with some kind of social justice movement. There are many evangelicals today who are wholeheartedly involved to confront racial disparities or liberal politics or to fight against income inequalities in the workplace. But the Lord tells us in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, that we as the church, we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. That means that we must influence the world through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is true that all of us, utilizing the freedoms that we have, especially in a country as the United States, to proclaim the gospel no matter where we are, we must make sure that the world knows where we stand, what the Bible says and where we stand in the Word of God according to our moral beliefs. But that does not mean that the ultimate goal of the local church and the community is simply to be affiliated and simply to place all its efforts in the fulfillment of social justice goals. We must understand, and this is important. With all of that said, I can say, according to what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3, those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so that they will not be unfruitful. So is there anything wrong for us to have clothes drives for the homeless or toy drives for underprivileged children, soup kitchens for the hungry, or... Um, I don't know, but you can have many other facets in which a local church may be involved in the community with charitable works. No, there is nothing wrong with that or any other kind of benevolence ministry. It is all good and they are all noble efforts for as long as the end goal is not just to fulfill some social justice agenda, but for the proclamation and the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What good would it be for someone to stop being a racist if that person is still going to hell? What good is going to be for someone to switch to your political party if that soul is still damned for eternity? The ultimate goal of the church of Jesus Christ, represented through the local churches in our, in our communities, is for the proclamation of the gospel of Christ. 
Remember what the Bible says in Romans in chapter 1 verse 16, that the gospel is the power of God for what? To end racism? To fix Congress? To make sure that everyone is good and they have all their bread and water, plenty of it fulfilled in their homes? No, the Bible says that in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And that is the ultimate priority for the church of Jesus Christ. Once someone is transformed within through the power of the Holy Spirit, that person will certainly be transformed on the outside as well. And so we, mu and so we must say that what is the role of the local church in the community? It certainly works. It certainly involves charitable works as well. What is the role of the local church to believers? What is the role of the local church to your life? The Bible tells us that there are four basic functions that the local church must exercise in its role toward each and every one of us. And they are all identified in the book of Acts in chapter 2. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. First, the role of the local church to you and me as believers is to be dedicated to the apostles' teaching. Every local church must be devoted to learning the Bible through the ministry of men who have been called to teach and preach the word of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 4 that the Lord gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. It is important for us to understand from the beginning that the first ministries you see there on verse 11 the ministry of the apostles and the ministries of the prophets, they have already ceased to exist because the Bible tells us in Ephesians in chapter 2 verse 20 that they were foundational ministries. Their message was during the foundational times of the church being founded on the earth on the day of Pentecost. They received revelation. They received inspiration from the Holy Spirit of God to actually write the Bible. But after the Bible was completed in A.D. 96 with the writing of the Apostle John of the book of Revelation, there are no new revelations or additions to the 66 books of the Scripture. The Bible has been completed. And therefore, the foundational ministries of apostles and prophets, that those ministries have ceased. However, today we still have the ministries of evangelists and pastor teachers. Pastor teachers are those called to preach and teach the Word of God to believers inside the local church. While evangelists are those who are gifted with a special calling of God in their lives for the proclamation of the gospel to unbelievers outside the church. Evangelists are gifted as missionaries in foreign fields. They are gifted as preachers in prison ministries. They are gifted as speakers in public crusades to crowds. They are gifted as public preachers in parks, on their streets, in their own neighborhoods. Evangelists are gifted apologists for the defense of the gospel. And as the Bible says, they also 
work for the equipping of the saints in the way that they have a heart to teach the people of God how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not all Christians are called with the ministry of an evangelist. All Christians are called to evangelize, but not all Christians will receive the ministry of an evangelist. Now, on the other hand, the ministry of pastor-teachers, pastor-teachers, they are called to give the apostles' teaching to believers inside the local churches. They are pastors, bishops, overseers, elders. These are not four different offices, but these are four different titles for the same office. A pastor is a bishop, is an overseer, is an elder according to the scriptures. They are all one and the same. Of course, there must be a plurality of elders or pastors preaching the Bible and teaching the Bible within our local churches. Now, it is important also for us to remember that the Bible has given us a warning that the closest we get to the rapture of the church, the more there will be people inside our local churches who will not stand Bible preaching from our pastor teachers. They will not stand the preaching and the teaching of the Bible, but they will demand entertainment. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, preach the word for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, entertained, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is critical. Someone once said this. A time will come when instead of shepherds feeding the sheep, the church will have clowns entertaining the goats. What should draw any believer to join any particular local church should be most importantly the accuracy of its pastor teachers in preaching the Bible. Forget all the smoke and screens. Forget all the focus on entertainment. That won't do anything for your spiritual growth. I repeat, what should draw you to join any local church should be most importantly the accuracy of its pastor teachers in the preaching of the Word of God. Until when must the local church be dedicated to the apostles' teaching? He says that now he gave us evangelists and pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the service to the building up of the body of Christ until the question is until when must the local church be dedicated to Bible preaching to Bible teaching to Bible learning until when the very next verse 13 says until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man and to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ until when must all local churches be dedicated to Bible teaching up until the rapture of the church? When we are all going to achieve the stature of a mature person to the fullness and perfection of Christ, our local church must be dedicated to Bible teaching up until the rapture of the church. Next, we see that the church, as described in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, must also be devoted, must also be dedicated to the fellowship. Now, that word fellowship obviously means to be gathered together for worship, worship to God. 
But the word has a more spiritual meaning, has a deeper meaning than simply to be gathered together. It means to live in community, to care for one another, in particular for widows who have no one to care for them and have no way to sustain themselves, as the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 to 16. Unfortunately, today there are many local churches within which the biblical concept of fellowship has somewhat faded. We have acquaintances, but one person sitting in the church for many years may not even know the name of the person sitting on the next aisle for just as long. After service ends, we have things to do, we have places to go, we are busy, busy, busy. But it was different 2,000 years ago in the years of the early church when fellowship meant to do life together as a family. And for that reason, Christians were called brothers and sisters. Someone may say, well, I, that was then, but today with all the technological advancements, I really don't need to be in church. There are many satellite churches and there's, there are so many YouTube channels, I can just sit back and relax at home and just attend service that way. You said it, preacher, the church is not the building, why do I have to go there? Well, well, the local church is not the building, you are right. But the Bible demands that we gather together as saints, as believers in the Lord. That is in Hebrews in chapter 10, the Bible says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If you are a Christian, you will regularly attend church services. That is not an option. It is a command from the Lord that we must gather together. If you are a true believer, you are going to come to church more often than just Easter and Christmas. If you are a true believer, you will gather together and you'll be affiliated, you'll be associated with a local church where you gather with all believers to worship the Lord as the church. Obviously, those who are shut-ins, those who are homebound, those who are bedridden, they are an exception to that rule. But as a general biblical principle, all believers must gather together in obedience to the word of God as we assemble together as the church. The question is, until when must the church be devoted to the fellowship, to gathering together to fellowship and worship? Until when? All the more as you see the day drawing near. And what day is that for us as Christians, for us as believers? Until the rapture of the church. We must remain meeting together as the church up until the moment when we'll see the Lord face to face. And the church will be removed from this earth and we will then meet with the Lord forevermore. Thirdly, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says that we must devote ourselves as a local church, as believers within a local church, to the breaking of bread. And ultimately, the meaning of that for us is the observance of the Lord's communion, is the observance of the Lord's supper. I am sure if you have been a Christian for any number of years, you are very familiar with these verses in 1 Corinthians in chapter 11. 
when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Notice that the Bible doesn't necessarily specify the frequency within which we must observe communion. There are some local churches who observe communion once a month. And there are other local churches who observe communion every single Sunday service. The Bible doesn't prescribe the frequency. But the Bible does say that we must do so regularly. That we must come together as the church of Jesus Christ and remember the Lord's sacrifice for us, as the Bible tells us here. The question is, up until when must the local church be devoted to observing the Lord's communion? The very next verse tells us, for as often as you eat this drink, this bread, and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until when? Until he comes. We must gather together as the church to observe the Lord's communion until the rapture of the church. And lastly, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that we must be, as a local church, devoted to prayer. And that is corporate prayer. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 12, so Peter was kept in prison, in the prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Obviously, each and every one of us as believers, we must have our own personal, individual prayer life. But the Bible is commanding that one of the corporate mandates for all of us as members of a local church is that the church must be brought together for corporate prayer. The Lord tells us in Matthew chapter 21 verse 13 when he quotes Isaiah in the Old Testament, he says that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Folks, corporate prayer is not an option, is not optional. But the church must be brought together to pray together. Until when? That's the question. The local church must be dedicated to corporate prayer until the moment when the church is no longer here on earth, but is in heaven face to face with the Lord. And when will that be? At the rapture of the church. What is the role of the local church to believers? Bible teaching through men who are called by God to be pastors and teachers to Share the word of God. True fellowship in doing life together as brothers and sisters. The observance of communion, the Lord's Supper, and corporate prayer meetings. Those are corporate mandates for all of us to observe together as the body of Christ when we are assembled together. And so... Obviously, based on Acts chapter 2, verse 42, that gives us these four corporate mandates for the entire church represented here in this local church, it is obvious that the gathering of believers is intended for believers. That the gathering within a local church is primarily intended for believers in Jesus Christ. Because only Christians will believe in the Bible to learn from pastor teachers. Only believers will desire to regularly attend church services for fellowship and worship. Only believers will partake of communion. Unbelievers are not even called to participate. They are excluded from it. And only believers can pray. 
The only prayer of an unbeliever that God accepts is the prayer for salvation. And at that moment, that unbeliever is no longer an unbeliever, but he has just become saved. He has just become a believer himself. These are corporate mandates that must be fulfilled, must be obeyed. We must abide by them as an entirety, in the entirety of our church. We must come together to observe them. We must come together to learn the Bible. We must come together, obviously, to fellowship. We must come together to observe communion. And we must come together to pray as the body of Christ. These are the four corporate mandates for the local church, as the Bible defines in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. But there are also individual responsibilities for you, for me, that we also must abide by as believers, as Christians affiliated with a local church. And so the question becomes, we have just answered the question, what is the role of the local church to believers? And now we must answer also this question. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. There are individual responsibilities for each and every one of us as members of the local church. And in Ephesians in chapter 4 we read, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. What is the role of the believer in the local church? There are four corporate mandates that answer the question, what is, what is the role of the local church to you as a believer? But what is your role as a believer to the church? What are our individual responsibilities according to the Word of God? First and foremost, we are called individually to love our brothers and sisters. To demonstrate the love of Christ to our brothers and to our sisters. The Bible tells us in John chapter 13, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Christ calls us, he is calling us to obey him in the love that we must demonstrate to every single brother and every single sister in our local churches. And it is not the love of affection, a love of romance, but he is speaking of a sacrificial love. The love of choice, the love of the will. The love that makes you love that person, not because they are also perfect and lovable, but in despite of their flaws, in, despite, in spite of their shortcomings, you will love them. You cannot do that on your own, and neither can I. But we can only love our brothers and sisters with the sacrificial love that the Lord demands of each and every one of us individually, according to the presence of His Holy Spirit within us. There is a reason why the first attitude, the first manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, what is the first aroma of that fruit? Is love. And, and that is for a reason. The Bible tells us that we must love one another. That we must be dedicated with a sacrificial love to love our brothers and to love our sisters. That is not easy. It reminds me of the saying, and you probably have heard this before, to dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will sure be glory, but to dwell below with saints we know, 
Well, that's another story. But it is the Lord's expectation in first place that as our own individual responsibility to the body of Christ is that we love our brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us, as the Lord said, that we must love one another. Why? Because by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that I must go to the streets and tell all unbelievers the way that I am loving my brothers and sisters inside the church? That I must go out there and say, hey, Jesus told me that so that you know that I'm his disciple. Let me pat myself on the back and say, oh, I'm really sacrificially loving everybody inside that church. No, we can't be that. You cannot possibly think that that's what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus meant is that since we can only love our brothers and sisters through his Holy Spirit within us, we will love them because Christ will give us the capacity to do so. And since the love of Christ will be within us, it will naturally spill over those who are in the world as well. They will see the love of Christ in our lives by our own behavior, by the way we talk, by Christ living within us. Yes, we must love those who are within the church and it will naturally go to those who are outside as well. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6, bear one another's burdens and thereby, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who are of the household of faith. Obviously, the Lord wasn't saying that we must love, sacrificially love everybody inside the church. But then, oh, when I get out there, I'm going to hate everybody. That wouldn't make you a Christian. That would make you a big hypocrite. The Lord says that we must love one another within the church. And by this, people outside who know is that because we have the Holy Spirit that gives us the capacity to love in that manner, it will be impossible for us not to love those outside as well. The Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 where he says, And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, but also for all people, just as we also do for you. It is inevitable. People will see in your own testimony, in your, in your own behavior, that you are a disciple of Christ because you are his ambassador, you are his representative. Not only when, we, when you are within a local church, but especially when you are out there in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with your relatives who do not believe Christ, who do not know him. Your testimony is important for them to know that you are a follower of Christ. Remember that in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that the first believers, they were called Christians, not because it was a denomination or because it was an, the name of a church, but because they looked like Christ in their behavior. Do people think of Christ when they see you, when they hear you? What is, you are a living sermon. What is the message? How is Christ being portrayed to those outside through your life, through your speech? Never forget this. We are representatives of Christ no matter where we are. And through this, through the love of Christ in us, the world will know that we are his disciple. What is the role of the believer in the local church? Evangelism is the next one. It is important for us to understand that the responsibility for evangelism is given to each and every one of us individually. 
The local church, as we saw in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the local church received four corporate mandates, but evangelism was not mentioned there. It is Bible teaching, it is fellowship, it is communion, and it is corporate prayer. Why wasn't evangelism mentioned in the list of corporate mandates for the entire local church? Because if the whole church was always responsible for the message of the gospel, only when the entire local church is meeting together, then that would mean that every single Sunday and every single service, we would always have to dedicate the entire service to the proclamation of the gospel. And if that is the case, then when would Christians hear a more, more mature Bible teaching? When would Christians grow and be equipped for the work of service if every single service is dedicated to the proclamation of the gospel? Sure, it is appropriate that during the service, the messenger would also speak the invitation of the gospel within the message. But that cannot be 100% the focus of every single service because the corporate mandates are for the church and they do not include evangelism. Why? Because Christ calls, us, calls each and every one of us individually as his ambassadors. It is an individual responsibility for us to share the gospel with those who are out there. What is the role of the local church to unbelievers? Well, we just said that this cannot be right. If the call for evangelism, if the call for the preaching of the gospel is dependent on each individual Christian, then that question is not correct. We must rectify this. We must say, what is the role of the believer to unbelievers? It is an individual calling. It is an individual responsibility. In fact, let me share with you, recently I was researching some survey results as to why people come to visit a church. And there are many of them available online where, where you can see from Christian organizations. And they all basically ask the same question. And it is this, why did you visit the church today? And one answer was this, that they were seeking God. The person was asked as they were coming into service at times in many other churches or through other Christian organizations they are asked as they are leaving service but it is the same question why did you visit the church today and some say I was seeking God I was surprised by this because it must have been because they were sick or facing marital problems or financial troubles and they on a Sunday morning they thought of God and they came to church on their own but they account for only one percent of those who come to our churches next it is advertisement and that accounts for all TV, billboards, and radio, and newspaper, and all social media platforms, and whatever. They only account for 6% of those who come visiting a church. Next, do you know what is the second most popular reason why today people say that they come to church? This shocked me as well. They say they were looking for a date. 18%. That is three times more than TV commercial, folks. But that's the 21st century for you, I guess. But do you know what is the number one reason why people said that they came to church? The number one reason why people said that they went to visit a particular church was because of this. They were invited by a friend or a relative. That is 75%. Remember the words of Romans chapter 10, verse 14? How will they hear if no one preaches to them? 
that is our responsibility in Christ. What is the role of the believer in the local church that obviously includes financial support? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, on the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. It is the individual responsibility of every single Christian to come to church on Sundays after he has put aside and saved his offering to bring to church as the Bible demands, in, as our offering before God. This is not a tithe. This is not 10%. Tithing was the taxation system that God imposed on the people of Israel in the Old Testament. For us as New Testament churches, we practice grace giving. That means that you will bring before the Lord what the Lord has placed within your heart, what you have determined in your heart as your act of honoring and recognition of what the Lord has given you. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not a fixed specific percentage, but according to what you have determined in your heart to give. Obviously, just remember this. That every single red cent that you have has come from the Lord that gave you grace to earn it. And never ever, despite of what you may understand, that those who sow little will, sow, will reap little. But those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. Never ever ever give to get. Do not fall for the demonic lies of prosperity preachers who make a mockery out of God and a business out of you. Just give to God in sincerity of heart, honoring him, knowing and recognizing that he is the one who has given you the ability to earn the money in first place. How do I fulfill my role in the local church? There are many other individual responsibilities that we could have said. Of course, today we're going to see one in just a few moments. The individual responsibility of baptism in Acts chapter 2 verse 38. There is the individual responsibility for each and every one of us as Christians to participate in the process of church discipline. As the Lord says in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. But you might be asking this question, preacher, how do I, with all my fallacies, with all my shortcomings, how am I going to be able to fulfill my role within the local church? Well... As we saw, the equipping of the saints happened first and foremost through the preaching of the Bible, through you learning the Bible, learning the Word of God, through pastors and teachers, through your faithful attendance to a local church. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, as we said, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Through your learning of the Bible, God will give you capacity to fulfill your role in the body of Christ. It is impossible for us to do anything apart from the Word of God. You cannot expect to experience any spiritual growth apart from the Bible. The Lord says himself in John chapter 15 verse 5, without me you can do nothing. But we must trust as we grow in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, as we grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll give us greater and greater grace and capacity for us to fulfill our individual roles within our local churches. But also, 
How do you fulfill your role within the local church? Through your spiritual gift or gifts. And we have said this many a times before. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Each and every one of us, at the moment when you are saved, the Lord apportioned to you one specific spiritual gift, if not more. God says that to each and every one of us, to you as a believer, he has given you a spiritual gift. The apostle Peter confirms this as he says in 1 Peter chapter 4, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. And whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. You have received a spiritual gift from the Lord. Are you using it for the glory of his name? The spiritual gifts are divided into two broad categories of speaking gifts and service gifts. And we certainly have run out of time and I wish that I would have the time to go over the spiritual gifts with you. But I would ask you to do this as your homework. The spiritual gifts are described in Romans chapter 12 and in 1 Corinthians in chapter 12. And it is obvious that according to the gifts that are still in force for the church age today, that you will seek the Lord as you read those scriptures to see and to identify and to put into place, to put into work the spiritual gift of gift or gifts that the Lord has given you. And afterwards, since we have run out of time, you can speak to me or to any of the elders this week or next week as you do this study because there is nothing more important than for you as a believer in order for you to fulfill your role within the local church to know how God wants to use you according to the spiritual gift or gifts that he has given you. Are you thinking biblically about the role of the local church? Let us all go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for we have been called by Christ himself to become part of the church. And we thank you, Lord, because certainly it was not according to our merits because we deserved, but by your grace and by your mercy, you have called us into the body of Christ. And I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would minister and continue to minister to those here of this local church to continue faithfully their walk of faith. And I pray if perchance there is anyone listening to this message who do not have the certainty and assurance of salvation, may your Holy Spirit somehow have convicted them to abandon their sins and to recognize that Christ is the one who died for those sins at Calvary's cross and that they can come to you and be saved forevermore. Bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name.